Good morning. My name is Janelle Bright-Cruz, and I've been attending TCC for about 12 years. Today's passage is from 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 to 11, New International Version. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. The word of the Lord. Thank you for that. That was awesome. Love, true love, will follow you forever. Movie? Princess Bride. There you go. There's your homework. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, there's no brunch today. Go home, have a nice mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, and watch The Princess Bride. And then come back and talk to me next week. When you hear somebody talk about love or true love... What do you think? Are you like me? Do you spend an inordinate amount of time watching Princess Bride clips? Watching Princess Buttercup and Wesley brave the horrors of the fire swamp on their pursuit of happily ever after? Do you think about Disney princesses being awakened from a decades-long slumber by a random man kissing you? Do you think about the iconic 1993 Hathaway song, What is Love? They wouldn't let me cue that up to play right now, but everybody would be doing this, right? (laughs) Do you simply think of the dictionary definition of love, which is something like an intense feeling of deep affection? Whatever, however you think about love, however you think about true love, the reality is we all want to experience love. You know, at our core, we are designed to be in relationship to love. We're designed to love. And we each look for someone or something to fill that need. And often when it's not the person of Jesus, it's, uh, it's maybe not a great choice. Now, this may be hard to believe, but for me, that is often food. You can laugh. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, it might be food. It might be people, other people, places, travel. It might be success, money substances, or a host of other things. We often run to, as Nord mentioned earlier, we run to things that are not God to fill that deep need that we have to feel belonging, to feel love. So what is true love? You know, love is not simply a feeling. God's love is true love. It's revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ and through Scripture. Scripture. 
You know, we see the account of Jesus, what he did for us. We see many other times what love is, and we read about that constantly. But it's a love of commitment and action. It's a love that fills our deepest needs and desires. It leaves us truly satisfied in every sense of the word. In this first section of of 1 John 2, like verses 3 to 6 here, John tells us that truly knowing God and experiencing true love for God and with God is made complete in obedience. I'll get more into that in a minute, but the point is that love is made complete through action, through what we do in our day-to-day. And he talks a lot here about living in or with God. And he finishes his statement, kind of first little section here in verse 6, with whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You know, I toyed with the idea of, uh, of calling this sermon Liar, Liar. And like most of my first sermon titles, that was a little inappropriate and got thrown in the trash. And eventually, through workshopping, I ended up not calling it Liar, Liar. But there you go. John says here, if you claim to know God, if you claim to live with God, you either back that up by living as Jesus did, or you're a liar. It's John's words, not mine. Take it easy, John. Now, Jesus went to the cross. He gave his life on our behalf. He rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven. You know, we're not expected to do that, nor can we. But the expectation here is that we would seek to live as Jesus lived. Like Pastor Norb spoke about last week, and like John talks about in the first chapter of this letter, 1 John And we must focus on conducting ourselves well and walking in the light, not in darkness. So what exactly does that mean? I'm going to frame this like we often frame things at TCC. I'm going to talk about knowing Jesus, walking with Jesus, and sharing Jesus. The first to know Jesus, we need to keep his commandments. And in verse 7... John mentions that he's not writing a new command, but an old one. And as, uh, as I was studying for this and reading through, many commentators point out that the old command that he's referencing is Leviticus 19.18, which says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. And Deuteronomy 6.5, which says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then yet, John continues to say, it's an old command, but it's also kind of a new command. You know, it's got a new emphasis, a new quality, new extent. And its truth is seen in him and in you. That's in Jesus and in you, the reader. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. You know, in Matthew uh, 22, 37 to 40, that's where Jesus reiterated those old commands and responded to a teacher of the law asking which commands were the most important. And that's what John's referencing. As Jesus went as far as to say, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Simply put, all of the commands, all the commands that we read through Scripture are housed in these two commands. To love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. 
So we need to be obedient to God's word. You know, the thought of obedience is, uh, it's, is railed against by many today. I know often in Christian circles in the church, we, uh, you know, we get our shackles up a little bit when we talk about obedience because we often tag it as legalism and we think about, um, you know, like the old movie Footloose, you know, where the, the dad, the preacher would basically say that the earth will swall- open up and swallow you whole if you dare to go dancing. Stuff like that. We're like, well, that, you know, if that's obedience, I don't want anything to do with it. But that's not the obedience that God talks about. You know, when we encounter the living God, when we meet Jesus, when we experience his true, wonderful love, when we give our lives to him, our behavior will change. Our mindset will change. Our life will change. Because Jesus is changing us through the Holy Spirit whom God sent. You know, when we know God, when we know Jesus, when we truly know God, that knowledge simply cannot stay knowledge. You know, we will bow to his authority, his wisdom, his power. You know, if you're like me, you don't like the words authority and power. You know, we see authority and power misused all the time. You know, we see it misused at the governmental level with those we entrust with running our cities, provinces, countries, maybe lying a little bit, not doing what they said they were going to do, betraying our trust, and selfishly seeking personal gain. And we see it at the corporate, sometimes even the small business level, with owners, executives, and leaders stepping on the backs of those beneath them to reach the top. And we often see it at the family level, with husbands verbally or physically abusing their wives or children, with parents abusing their kids, to get them to bow to their authority. You know, and we rightfully look at the sinful human beings in these positions of power and authority. We look at what they've done and we say, if that's what power and authority looks like, I don't want anything to do with that. But that's not what power and authority are meant to look like. You know, God, the creator of the universe and everything in it, the God who has formed each of us, the God who knows each one of us intimately, that God, he defines authority and power. And his authority comes with commands. You know, we often don't like that. I know I don't like that. I like to be able to do what I want when I want. But God's commands, his love flows through that. And ultimately, those do result in the best for each person, period. Because he cares so deeply for us, he wants, to, he wants us to experience life to the fullest. And we're not called to be obedient to experts, obedient to whichever political party you align yourself with, obedient to an influencer we watch on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram, or anyone else. We're called to be obedient to God. And he's revealed himself to us through his word. So as we get to know God, as we get to know Jesus, we need to walk with Jesus. And we walk with Jesus simply by obeying those commands, by following those, those commands. Love God and love others. And we often think of God's love as seen in scripture 
and as we you know come to know what God's love is, we think of it as at odds with love in general, the love that we see today. When we talk about love, they seem to be two opposing things. And it's tempting to do what many people, what many Christians, what many churches have done, and align yourself with the current social climate and say that love is affirming everything that everyone does, letting each person speak or live their own truth and do what they feel most like doing for themselves, most like what they feel needs to be done, regardless of anything. But that love is a selfish love. It's driven by a desire to be able to do what you want, when you want, and not have to have any grief about it. And the reality is that God's love and design for us as his creation is perfect. As we see way back in Genesis we look at the account of creation, when he created us, he declared it was very good, as opposed to just good, like everything else. And we're the pinnacle of God's creation. He designed us, he designed relationships, he designed love and community, and he desires for us to live in that and to walk into that. His truth, grace, and love is evident when we align ourselves with his word, the Bible. And it may not always be comfortable to go against what the majority is saying in your circle, to go against what you're told you should do and say, to go against current culture and society, you know, in your workplace, at your school, whatever it may be. But God's love will always be for the best for each individual person. And commentator John Stott says that no thought or action can be condoned, which is inconsistent either with God's nature as light, pure and self-giving, or with his historical, palpable self-disclosure in Jesus Christ. The call to follow and walk with Jesus is, as we often say, as Pastor Adam says, is simultaneously a call to community. You know, this second test, so John kind of switches over here a little bit. He goes from the moral perspective of knowing God, obeying God. He switches here on the the latter half of this section to a social test. In verse 9, he says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. And John's point is fairly simply that if you do not love someone, if you refuse to show love to someone, you ultimately show hatred for them. He's kind of, he's very black and white when he writes. It's one or the other. You can't have a middle role where it's like, well, I don't love them, but I don't, you know, I don't care anything for them. So if you don't love them, you hate them. Again, very strong words. But love will express itself in concrete actions. You know, we read throughout the New Testament words of Jesus and others Jesus in John 15 says that through love, you'd be willing to lay down one's life for one's friends. Paul in 1 Corinthians says love will not be self-seeking. The parable of the Good Samaritan, when Jesus is telling that in Luke 10, you won't disregard those in need. Love will not despise children, Matthew 18. Love will not ignore the least of these, Matthew 25. You know, in this context, John seems to be specifically pointing to brothers and sisters, uh, those within the faith community, 
those that are doing life together, those that believe in Jesus. The language that he uses, you know, points to that. But he supposes ultimately that if you cannot love those in this community, those with a shared faith, those that you walk through life with, then you're certainly not going to do it for anybody else. You know, and I, I look at the evangelical church in North America today, and, and it grieves me to, to see the way that people often treat one another. You know, I personally know of far too many individuals who have decided that, you know, church or Christianity ultimately is not for them because of the way that people have been treating one another. Now, that doesn't discount the fact that those people have clearly put their faith in something other than Jesus. And when things are shaken, they decide to call it quits. And it doesn't negate the fact that there are times when people are really off base and not holding to the truth and need correction. But that doesn't, you know, it doesn't excuse their behavior. But so many of the different kind of groups, even denominations, conferences, churches, different groups exist solely because two groups of people or two individuals couldn't figure out how to come to a compromise or work together and continue in community despite their differences. And oftentimes it's not even really the main stuff. It's little stuff on the side. And we make a really big deal of things that aren't a big deal at all. You know, what style of musical worship are we going to have? Are we going to have chairs or pews? What color are we going to paint the sanctuary? You know, which political party do you support? And whatever else it may be, I'm sure you can fill in the blanks there. We've seen it a lot. They may seem like a big deal to us at times, but they are not that big of a deal, especially to God. And we have completely blinded ourselves and isolated ourselves from one another rather than continuing in community. I think we do that very well here at TCC. The community is vibrant. It's been a joy for Amanda and myself and our family to step into this community. It's so much fun. But we see community falling apart all over the place because people are unwilling to have a discussion with somebody who thinks a little bit differently than they do. In the summer, we'll we'll get into it a little bit more. We're going to be launching community groups again in the fall, and I'm going to throw a little plug in now. It's an amazing way, these different midweek connection opportunities to really step into life with one another and grow that community and see what it's like to be intentional and walk through life with other people. And oftentimes you're going to run into people that you don't necessarily like, that you don't agree with on everything, yet the call remains the same. Live in community. Totally lost my place in my notes here. Hang tight. I'm just going to drink some water. I'm very parched. <clears throat> okay, well, that's, that's, that's knowledge <laughs> and, uh, and walking with Jesus. But let's share Jesus as well. You know, Jesus is light. I talked about that last week. First John talks about that a lot. John loves using that language. Jesus is light. So share the light in a dark world. You know, why not share it with those around you in your immediate circles? Can you imagine you're walking around a dark room trying to navigate your way out? You've got a flashlight, very easy for you, and as you're pointing around the room, your flashlight lands on another individual who's walking around with their arms up like this, unsure of where to go, pitch dark. And when you see them, 
instead of walking over and being like, hey, let me help you get out of here, you cover the flashlight or turn the flashlight off. Now they can't see and neither can you. You know, if you say you're in the light and you do that, you choose not to love others, not to walk with others. John is using very strong language. He's saying, by extension, you hate that person. And you are a liar and you're in the darkness. And that darkness will blind you. And you'll be in just as bad a spot as the person next to you who you refused to help. You know, I can go through a host of practical examples, things that are taking place in our world, in our city, in our communities. I'm sure you can come up with many yourselves. But I'm going to swing back to, we all know what happened over the last couple of years. COVID did a real number on everyone. I know we're tired of talking about it, and we've moved on from it. But so many relationships were destroyed, and so many, so many issues arose because people were unwilling to even talk to one another. And I think in moving on from that, many of us haven't actually moved on. We've simply just decided we're not going to talk about it anymore. We're going to sweep it under the rug, and we're just no longer going to associate with all of these people, just these ones. I know I did that. I'm guilty of doing the same thing. And, and it's, it's hard and heart-wrenching to go back and realize that you may have actively chosen not to love someone because, you know, of the way that you approach things. And there's still so much healing and so much restoration that needs to take place. But ultimately, how can we share Jesus with those who don't know Jesus if we can't share Jesus with those who do? You know, Jesus shared his light and love with everyone. But he was really rough on the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders because they knew better. They knew God. They knew God's laws. They claimed to walk with God. They knew his commands. And yet they chose to cast people aside and destroy relationships and people over things that, in the end, weren't really worthy of having such weight. You know, and I believe that Jesus will be rough on those of us who know better if we refuse to share with others, regardless of what the reason is for that. We're called to do it in spite of any differences. <clears throat> and it's tough, but I believe that that is what we are called to do. So, I mean, what, is that, what does that really look like? If we, if we claim to know Jesus, walk with Jesus, and desire to share Jesus with others, does our life reflect that? <clears throat> John repeatedly tells us throughout this passage that if we know God, it will show itself in a new life of obeying God, like he says in verse 4, imitating Christ, as he says in verse 6, and loving our brothers and sisters, as he says in verses 9 and 10. You know, and we obey God and imitate Jesus when we love him, when he gets our first and our best not our last and our worst. And we obey God and we imitate Jesus when we love others, both within our community, our community of faith, and without. You know, we truly love others when we put their needs above our own. <clears throat> so how do we know Jesus? The reality is we, just, we need to get into God's word, read scripture, dive into God's word and immerse yourself in the truth instead of TikTok. If you don't use TikTok, like I'm sure many of you do not, insert whatever else it is that you're running to that's not Jesus and God's word. But spend time with Jesus. Talk to him. Be with him. 
the, uh, this day of silence and solitude coming up on Saturday is an amazing space to do that. It may feel a little bit weird literally being silent for a whole day, but to spend that intentional time with Jesus, and I'm not saying you have to go on Saturday and spend the whole day, but take intentional time. Spend it with Jesus. And then how do we walk with Jesus? And we talk a lot here at TCC as well about spiritual practices, some practical things that you can walk through and do on a regular basis to really walk with Jesus. Things like silence and solitude, things like prayer, fasting, not just from food, but from things that are consuming so much of your time that you run to instead of Jesus. Fast from those things. Practice saying no. The practice of scripture, reading God's word, really spending time doing that. And the practice of community. Again, like I mentioned, get into a community group, a triad. Walk through life with others. Walk with Jesus in the company of others. And then how do we share Jesus with others? And I think we often make a really big deal about the way that that needs to take place. But just make it simple. Love others. Share the light that you have with them. Share your flashlight. You know, it can look like radical generosity. But simply care for others in need, whatever that need is. You know, radically, radically generous and true love is very simple, yet often very inconvenient. You know, it, it doesn't fit into our plans. It doesn't fit into what we thought we were going to do that day. And it often feels like it comes out of nowhere. <clears throat> you know, in my own life, um, I've experienced true love through radical generosity a couple times. Um, but I'm going to be very ambiguous with this. But since you guys have all been uh, getting updates from Pastor Norb and talking to me about our housing situation and what life is like for me and my family, I'm going to use that as a current practical example. Uh, the, the years, like quite honestly, the years leading up to us coming to TCC were not kind uh, employment-wise or financially. And uh, when we were up here and our landlord opted not to renew our lease at the last minute, we were, uh, we were scrambling, trying to, trying to find somewhere to rent long term for a family of six. Um, that didn't cost my good arm and my good leg. Was, uh, it wasn't going well, you know, and we had, we had a lot of no's and things just were not working out for a long term solution. And then really out of left field, it felt like. Uh, someone in our life came and, you know, dropped an incredibly generous gift in our lap that has allowed us to now, as many of you have found out and asked us about, uh, begin searching to buy a house for the first time and really put roots down in the community that God has called us to, which is, it's so amazing. And, you know, this in- individual followed a prompting from the Spirit and lavished love upon us in a way that, you know, from our perspective was totally uncalled for, unwarranted, and unexpected. Yet, they did it because they, they followed the leading of the Lord. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun now. Now I get to go through the headache of buying a house. But it's great. <laughs> you know, and... <laughs> And, uh, and again, you know, it's a story we hear often in Luke 10. Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we all know the story, so all Coles notes it a little bit. But, uh, you know, Buddy gets beat up, 
half to death, left on the side of the road. He's bleeding. He's in serious need of help. And then a priest and a Levite at separate times both walk by. They're upstanding individuals. They claim to walk with God and know God. And they run to the other side of the street to avoid dealing with this mess. And then the Samaritan comes walking by. He sees him, picks him up, takes him into town, cleans him up, and then pays for his lodgings for however long he needs to be there to rest and recover. You know, I doubt the Samaritan had that in his itinerary for the day. I doubt he had built that into his budget. But he was obedient to God. He saw a need and he showed true love to someone in need. So let's be like Sammy the Good Samaritan. Uh, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And uh, would you guys pray with me? Father, we love you. And, and we know that you love us so much more immensely than, than anyone ever could. And Lord, uh, we often run to things that are not you for fulfillment, for that feeling of love and belonging. Lord, as we, uh, as we walk through the days and the weeks ahead, I pray that your spirit would bring to mind the fact that there is only one true source of love, and that's you. Through the, the sacrifice, the incredible sacrifice that, that you made, Jesus, we can call you brother, and we can call you dad, God. So as we, as we go from here, if there's healing and restoration that needs to be made in relationships in our lives, Lord, would you bring those to mind and give us the, the wisdom to know how to, to walk into that, the strength to walk into that uncomfortable situation. But we pray, Lord, that incredible things would happen, that restoration would come, that communities, families would be healed and brought back together. And Lord, as we seek to walk with you, Jesus, in the company of one another, or would you guide us and direct us? Again, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. In the incredible name of Jesus. Amen.